0: Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's edition of the Original Strength Podcast. We have a real live superhero with us this week, Ms. Sarah Thomas. And if you don't know, Sarah is the first person in the entire world to swim the English Channel, that's from England to France, and back from, from France to England. She did it four times nonstop, and it only took her 54 hours. Sarah, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here and chat with
0: you today. So you really are like a real live superhero. Um, you have done pretty much. I don't did Did you think it was it? Obviously, you didn't think it was impossible, but no one's ever done it before. Why Why would you ever want to swim across the English Channel? Not once, but four times. And I think you've actually done it like two times before that that time.
1: Yeah, so I did it one time before that. Um, I've been over there a couple of times just helping other people do swims. And, you know, there is just something magical about the English Channel. Um, It's just, you know, it's the equivalent of like climbing Mount Everest for climbers. You know, it's just one of those things that if you get into open water swimming, at some point you think, yeah, maybe someday I'd like to swim the english channel and then you go over there and you meet this incredible community of people um, who are all waiting their turn to swim the channel too Um, and you go to the swimmers beach in dover which is kind of the main training area and you just see all these swimmers from around the world of differing levels of experience and they're all just together swimming back and forth in dover harbor waiting their turn to swim and it's just this really special unique experience and once you get over there once and experience it and have a piece of that you're i think most people are left like wanting more of that and so people come back and crew or do relays or swim it again or if they fail they have to come back and try for round two and i think you know just being over there and being so connected to that community you know, I was kind of progressing in my own swimming career. Um, I swam the Channel the first time in 2012, and when I was there, I met a woman who had attempted a double. And so, you know, we're sitting on the on the rocky beach in Dover, and you know, I'm nervous about my first one, and she's, you know, telling me about her attempt to go there and back. And I just remember thinking that she was superhuman and amazing, and all of these things. know then you go on and you do your swim and it's great and wonderful and there's just something magical about it and you know i did that swim in 2012 and then it kind of started doing some longer swims after that and at some point you start to think well you know i know people swim there and back and now i've been doing some longer swims and you know what maybe maybe i could push push the limits of what people had said is possible in the English channel. There's a handful of people who have done it four or sorry, three times. And you know, that had been done before and it's like, well, you know, I've done a hundred mile swim in a lake and, and an 80 mile swim in a lake now. And time-wise it should come out somewhere in the middle of all that. And I think I, I can give it a shot. And I did, you know, it's just one of those things, you, you know, you dream it and then it's just stuck in your head until you give it a try.
0: So how how far across is it when you when you swim it or when I guess when anybody swims it? I mean, I'm sure it doesn't really it's not supposed to change. Yeah, well,
1: um, so point to point in the English Channel um, from Dover to the Cap. So if you look at it on a map and you find Dover and then you draw a straight line um, directly across, that is the shortest distance. Um, And that is right about 21 miles. So most people will say that the English Channel is 21 miles uh, because that's the distance between the the shortest distance possible. Um, Because of currents and tides and a whole bunch of other factors, you can land anywhere along the French coast. um, And that could make your swim longer or shorter. But in marathon swimming, we typically count the distance as the shortest distance between um, two points in a straight line. Um, and it's kind of people outside of the swimming world sometimes think that's crazy because, you know, a marathon swimmer would never be like, well, you know, English Channel, you know, I swam 31 miles today um, because the shortest distance is 21. So that's really all you can get credit for when you swim the English Channel is a one-way distance of about 21 miles, if that makes sense. That's kind of hard to explain. It, it, it,
0: it does, but so you swim at four times nonstop, 54 hours. But because of the things you just said, you didn't actually swim at 21 miles times four actual swimming. You swim at a total of 130 miles.
1: Sure. Uh, I like to say I traveled 130 miles um, just with the current giving me a push or something like that. So yeah, I mean, that distance was there um, through no fault or Courage of my own, you know. That's just how it works in the channel. Um, currents are really strong. You have to have a really experienced boat pilot to position you correctly in the tide so you actually land at a, at the right place. Um, so yeah, you may travel more, but uh, no one can swim it in a direct straight line ever. Like it's never been done.
0: I actually watched uh I watched the video of you getting out of the water when you finished the swim. Do you, you remember that?
1: <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah, I do. Um, We were in a moment where the current was trying to change against me and I had like no idea where I was or even really how close I was other than that I was almost there. Um, and my boat crew was like, put your head down and sprint. And so, you know, I'm like hammering it into the finish trying to push against the tide that's kind of trying to push me back out into the middle of the channel and so i um you know i crawled out and it's like whoa i didn't know i was gonna make that until there was actually rocks you know that i could touch and feel and so yeah you know you you climb out and it's like whoa i did that but like the immediate rush was like holy cow like the last half an hour was really intense and so that was kind of my overwhelming emotion. I was like, oh, I'm glad I'm not sprinting anymore. I I
0: I, I can't imagine because you looked like you just did this amazing thing and you got everybody rushing to you celebrating, but you just had this look of like, just let me sit here for a second. I mean, I don't know. Like, and then <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, I was like, does she even remember that at all? <laughs> yeah,
1: I do. it's a little fuzzy. Um, it's fortunate there's enough videos so I can kind of like rewatch it if I need to. Like, oh, yeah, that. That did happen. Um, normally in marathon swimming, um, no one pays attention to you, right? You just, you do this long swim and there's nobody waiting for you when you when you finish. And so you just have this like personal celebration of like, yay, I swam 20 miles today. Uh, and that's enough. And so it was unexpected to me uh, for there to be a crowd at the finish. And so that was part of it. I was like, there's all these people I've never had you know, 20 people all gathered to like cheer for me. It was, the whole moment was very surreal on my end for sure.
0: I I can't imagine. And it did look like, I mean, they were celebrating. It was a big deal.
1: (laughs) People were excited.
0: (laughs) So if you're swimming for 54 hours, um, what do you, what does your mind do?
1: Like where do you go? You go any place you can possibly imagine, um, in that time, um, my, I mean, personally, I prefer it when you can just kind of be in like a zen, like not thinking about or feeling anything, and you're just in the rhythm of you know the water and the you know looking at the boat and your stroke and you know just everything's kind of melding together into one, and it's just really peaceful and calming. Um, that's kind of the rarity, you know. You aim for that, but of course you're there's going to be disruptions like when you're swimming through a swarm of jellyfish. So now you're thinking about not getting stung by a jellyfish or, you know, your shoulders really hurting. So you're focused on your stroke techniques so that you're not injuring your shoulder or, you know, there's, you know, other things going on that really distract you. And so, you know, sometimes you can look at the boat and see what they're doing on the boat. Other times you're singing songs in your head or, writing your your book or you know reliving like oh that was really stupid um i remember on one long swim i like had this epiphany that i forgot something at work before i left on vacation and so like you know things just like pop in and out and you're like i shouldn't be thinking about work right now why did i even think of that so you know it goes you know everything that can happen happens in your brain
0: were you actually able to find that zen spot uh, a A little bit or back and forth in and out sometimes during that swim?
1: Yeah, you know, I was kind of sick in the middle of this English channel and it really messed with my zen. Um, I just had a lot of nausea um, and I had a really hard time finding that quiet place. Um, I feel like I was way too present (laughs) during this swim. Um, There was just a lot of things happening. So, so much
0: as I wanted that's for sure I it's really like that alone is um is amazing because like 54 hours I I was before I started talking with you I started thinking Tim I don't even think you've ever stayed awake for 54 hours straight and then I was like (laughs) I don't know if I could (laughs) and I'm like but Uh, but she swam 54 hours
1: (laughs) yeah. yeah um it's definitely, I think some people are more able to do that than others. Um, I don't know if it's genetics or just like mental toughness. Um, I don't know if there's science behind it or or what, but um, you know, I don't have hallucinations. I've done it a few times at this point uh, and that I'm thankful for, but you know, a little bit of caffeine goes a long way. and. I think, you know, if you were just like sitting on your couch trying to stay awake, it would be really hard. But when the danger of falling asleep is drowning, that gives you a lot of motivation, motivation to make keep moving and, you know, keep your head breathing so that you're not going under the water.
0: So that's a good point. I And I would say, yes, you, you definitely have mental toughness. Uh, that's got to be, I, I don't know that that's genetic, but you definitely have it. You said you were sick during that swim, nauseous. Mm-hmm. Did that have anything to do with what you were recovering from?
1: Yeah, I don't think so. Um, you know, I it's not something that I've really dealt with in the past, so who knows? Um, but I, I, I don't think that there was a connection there.
0: And and if you're listening at home, Sarah is a true superhero. Uh, she swam this, this was in 20. 20- 2019 in September. So it's a year and one week from today that you did this. Um, mm-hmm. But before that, was it a year before that you were diagnosed with breast cancer?
1: Um, so it, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in November of 2017. Okay. And then went through all of my treatment, and I actually finished my treatment at the very end of August of 2018. So this English Channel Swim came just barely one year, um, so like 13 months at the end of my active cancer treatment. And wow. so I had been through chemo. I did five months of chemo, and then I had um, a right-sided mastectomy, and then I did five weeks of radiation. And so I did all of that, and then um, radiation was the last thing that I did, and Follow. it was one year following the end of my radiation treatment that i jumped in the english
0: channel you're just a rock star um <laughs> when you were going through all that did you train did you how did you like keep your your focus because i like obviously you love to swim you were swimming before right and you, you probably had swimming goals and and mm-hmm. things you wanted to do like how how did you put your head down and swim and sprint
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So let's see here. This English Channel Swim was booked before I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, There's usually a pretty long wait. So I had booked this swim, had been planning on it since probably like March, April sometime of 2017. So the spring of 2017, I had signed up, like paid a deposit, booked the time slot, all of that stuff. So it was done. And then I was diagnosed with cancer and to answer your question i wouldn't call it training what i did during all of my treatment but i did swim quite a bit um i was probably you know chemo was uh, basically once a week every thursday Um, and so i would swim three or four times a week um as i could i always made a point to my chemo was usually like on a thursday morning and so i always made a point to get up and swim before i went to chemo because that was the best I was gonna feel for the whole week. So I might as well get in like one final workout. Um, and kind of the cycle with chemo is, you know, I would go on a Thursday, I had to wait 48 hours after treatment. Um, and then kind of after that 48 hours, I would start to feel a little bit better. So I wasn't allowed in the water for 48 hours, just um, I had a port in my chest where they would infuse the chemo. And so they wanted the port to clear up or and like heal up and then I could swim. And so um, usually on Saturday morning, I'd get up and go swim. Uh, my husband would drive me so that I didn't get too tired for the drive back home after I'd swim. But, you know, usually I would swim a couple of times on you know, Saturday, Sunday, uh, maybe, you know, a couple of times during the week and then always on Thursday morning um, before treatment. And I just kind of kept up that routine. You know, obviously my doctors knew about my swimming past and, you know, we were a couple of months into treatment and then I'm starting to like tell them like, hey, I got this like English Channel thing planned in like a year. Um, what do you think? And they were like, you might be crazy, but we'll see what we can do, I guess. You know, like they don't want to commit. Um, but we talked about it. I made a lot of treatment decisions, um, plan of care decisions based off of this English Channel SWIM. Um, especially when we started talking about mastectomy and reconstruction surgery and all of that stuff. Um, it's standard to put um, implants under um your pec muscle and um, it just gives it a little bit more protection and form but you know i'm a swimmer and that is where my power comes is from my yeah. pec muscles so you know there was just a lot of discussion with multiple surgeons about is this a good choice you know what is there anything we can do instead or you know what are my options um, and so there's just tons of discussion all based around this english channel Swim, that they all probably thought I was insane because, like, hey, you've got cancer, and I'm like, yeah, that's great, but you know, I got this other stuff I gotta do in about a year and a half, so let's make it happen, okay?
0: So, you never lost sight of that then, of that goal, of that target.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I didn't, you know, and it was something I, you know, I hung on to it pretty tight, and I think, you know, honestly, that was probably really important when I was going through all my treatment because it kept me. Motivated, you know, there was something beyond, you know, like it's hard when you're going through cancer treatment to not get just like lost in the moment because it's terrible, right? You hurt, you're sick, you don't 100% know if your body's going to respond to treatment. You know, I got really lucky that I had a great response to chemo, and that doesn't always happen. You know, you don't know that going into like, am I going to have a positive response or? You know, you know, there's just so much unknown, and that is scary, you know. And I'll fully admit to like many nights of like sobbing in bed, and anxiety attacks, and depression. I mean, there was all of that, but you know, swimming, h- hanging on to the swimming, um, one was helpful in the moment, just from a mental standpoint. I have an outlet for all of those scary, terrible emotions. Um, they also really do encourage you to exercise during treatment. You know I, I think in the past there's you know the the vision in the picture of someone who's a cancer patient and they're just like sick and laying in bed and resting and that's really not the case as much um anymore they've got a lot of things dialed in where it is beneficial to like get up and move around you know you obviously don't overexert yourself you know I could never train the way that i was training during chemo but you know, staying slightly active and making sure you're keeping your nutrition moving and your hydration, like all of those are only beneficial to chemo. Um, So, you know, doctors really encouraged me to do as much as I could during treatment. So, you know, there's that short-term effect of, you know, like chemo was a little bit easier, I think, because I was drinking so much water because I was hot from the swimming pool. Um, And, you know, and then physically recovering from my surgery because I was already fit and strong you know, I already had a base. So when I'm trying to do my PT after therapy or after my mastectomy, you know, like I I know how to work my muscles. I know how to lift weights. You know, I know what good is like, good hurt feels like. So, you know, there's just all of these things in short term that being able to swim through it was really helpful. But then in the long run, in the big picture, it's like, I have a goal, like there will be a time after cancer. And I could focus on that From a much larger perspective, so you know you're seeing the forest and you're you're not lost in the trees. If that makes any sense, it does. You know, the good things.
0: Nice. That's. I mean, it's that's beautiful. Um, when during your, you said you wouldn't call it training, but you were you were swimming. Were you able to, during those swims, were you able to find that I guess zen state of mind in those swims?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um. My, so just the way stuff happened, I had to go about four weeks at the beginning of everything um, before I could swim. So, you know, you get diagnosed, you go through like all these doctor's appointments, they're doing biopsies, um, you get your port placed, and all this stuff has to heal, and then all of a sudden you're doing chemo. So there was like a four-week period um, where I couldn't swim between when I had my port placed and then... Um, at the start of um, my second chemo Um, and so by the time you know so I, I went for a swim you know and I'm I'm still healthy right like I don't feel sick you know everything's fine and then four weeks later I've now lost all my hair from chemo you know I I'm tired I'm weak and I that very first like opportunity to get in the water I remember just like being terrified like I've had two rounds of chemo, I've got this port. Um, what's What's going to happen when I get in this in this swimming pool? And a couple of my friends were really fabulous and met me. And you know, we went into the swim like with zero expectations. And I remember just like sliding into the water and like my first few strokes. And there's like this big sigh of relief. It was like, I do know how to swim. I still float. <laughs> um, and that was kind of the first step in overcoming a lot of fears. Is no matter what happens through all of this, I will still float and I will still be able to move my arms around so that I can swim. It may not not look like what it used to and it may not ever be what I want it to be, but at the end of the day, I will always be able to swim. And that was huge. It was just like, that was a big moment in my cancer treatments. Like, you know what, it'll it'll be okay.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. Um, So, it's been a year and a week. It's the anniversary of your swim. Mm-hmm. Did you yes. Did you celebrate? Did you do anything special?
1: You know, I I I didn't. Uh, you know, all this COVID quarantine stuff has kind of ruined a lot of things. But um, I knew the date was coming up, and yeah, it was just kind of a I don't know. Didn't do anything special.
0: Have you? have you got any other plans or any other big swims in the books that you want to, or anything that you want to tackle?
1: There's definitely some swims out there that I'm still maybe considering. Um, Nothing's really planned at this point. So, you know, at some point I would like to do like a straight hundred mile, like point to point um, ocean swim uh, without any current assistance. So. um, a a long-term goal um maybe in the next couple of years if we can get something figured out
0: so you you've you've also swam um at least 100 miles or more in a lake Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how different is it swimming in a lake versus swimming in the ocean
1: totally different um the saltwater buoyancy is makes a drastic difference Um, for the good in, yeah, in 2017, I swam 104 miles in Lake Champlain, which is a really long lake, kind of right on the border of uh, New York and Vermont. And it kind of the end part of it goes up into Canada. Um, so I did that swim. Uh, so 104 miles and it took me 67 total hours. Um, compare that with channel swim. That was 84 miles. Um, with, you know, if you want to use 130 distance miles of distance traveled in 54 hours. So, um, one of my friends who I've known since college, you know, she messaged me after the English Channel and she said, you know, this English Channel swim is really impressive. And I'm like, I'm so proud of you, but it really puts into perspective how hard that Lake Champlain swim was. And it, it's true, the saltwater, um, just, it lifts you up a little bit more. So there's a lot less pressure on your joints. Um, At the end of this English Channel swim, I was still had enough in the tank to sprint into the end. And when I finished Lake Champlain, I could barely move. Um, So just a night and day difference as far as like pain, like the pain level from the Lake Champlain swim is like out of this world compared to what I went through in the English Channel. So um, feeling a little more more confident and optimistic about a hundred mile ocean swim. Um, compared to a hundred mile lake swim, which I don't think I'll ever want to try and do a hundred mile lake swim again, because that was pretty messed up situation.
0: If you're listening at home, I've been sitting here <laughs> celebrating her 54 hour swim, when all along she's been thinking, "Yeah, but I've done a 67 hour yeah. swim." <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: because I'm it, a superhuman. Um,
1: um, the Lake so, Champlain swim gets lost in the shuffle. You know, the English Channel was, you know, it's an iconic location, right? People heard about that swim you know it's it is colder you know our t- tides and currents and all of these things contend with um but yeah at the end of the day <laughs> I, i've been in the water for 67 hours which was um, a learning experience in and of itself
0: <laughs> that is crazy oh my gosh you know and i i knew you'd swam that but i didn't know how long it took like mm-hmm. so you're amazing things so you've clearly established that a human really doesn't have any limitations even when faced against like just huge what would seem like huge obstacles or huge walls or limiters do you have any advice for people that like come up against obstacles or diagnosis or just goals in general like wanting to reach for something
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, I personally believe that when you find something that you're passionate about, whatever that thing is, you know, for me, it is long distance, open water swimming. You have an obligation to yourself to put that thing, whatever that passion is first in your life. And I know for some people, it could be their kids or, you know, other hobbies or, you know, we all have different things that make us excited and, and what makes us tick. And I think, you know, I am happy in life because I know that I've given my swimming the best chance that it has to be successful. And, you know, I feel like we owe that to ourselves and it's hard, you know, there, it takes a lot of scheduling and planning and sacrifice and, you know, doctors looking at you like you're absolutely insane when you're like, I know that I have cancer, but I really want to swim the English channel four times. Um, you, there's just, when you have that drive and you find that thing, you have to push through, you have to make it happen, um, or else what are we doing? You know, like, what is, what is the point in life if we're not pursuing, you know, the one thing that makes us happy and excited? And that uh, I think is really important.
0: And that, is probably the best way to end the show. I, that was awesome. You have an obligation, I wrote that down. You have an obligation to yourself to pursue your passion. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Miss Sarah Thomas and she is a true superhero. Sarah, thanks so much for being on this show. Yeah,
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the Original Strength Podcast.